The champ is here. And we will definitely not shut up and dribble. The champ is here. I must be the greatest. The champ is here. I'm going to continue to stand with the people. The champ is here. I will, I will not, not lose. I'm a bad man. I took up the world. Yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you were here with we. My name is EJ, and I got my man. Your mate. Yes, he's a DB of the show, and we are Black in Sports, giving a voice to the culture that won't shut up and dribble. Here interviewing the best professionals in the game and in the boardroom. And this uh, guy we have tonight is a little bit of them both. So we're covering it all, laughing it all, while providing a platform to be heard, man. So you know how we do it, man. We want to welcome our guests in tonight, man. So once a Raider, always a Raider. So you definitely have heard that before. And at the end of his career, you know, he penned an open letter to the organization saying, hey, this is not goodbye, but I'll see you later. So, hey, later's now, and we have, so we have the senior advisor to the owner of the president of our Las Vegas Raiders. Please, please, please clap it up for Marcel Reese, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you, sir, for being on the show. Man, I appreciate y'all having me on. What's going on? Oh, man, what's going on, man? We we excited, man. We want to dig into it, man, because we know time is precious, man. So how we start the show is uh, we start the show with a shoot your shot moment. And uh, this is where you just kind of tell us the time when you shot your shot, man. It could have been in the younger days. It could have been out in the ballpark. It could have been with the ladies. But just a quick shoot your shot moment. And you can't give us that, man. I always shoot my shot, man. You got to give us a legit shoot your shot moment. Go. Wait, wait. Is Uh-oh. that really how we kicking it off right now? Absolutely. Put man. you on your toes. I'm, I see you dancing. I see you t- step to the left, step to the right. Really quick, you got to hit that hole, man. Let's go. You know, I'm, I'm really just trying to. I'm trying to be smart about this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we understand and, that, and, and make sure that that um, I'm telling about the 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 right shot for the right time that I shot. Because I'm, you know, shoot or shoot, unconsciously. Okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but really, I'm 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 gonna tell you right now. I'm gonna just. I'm gonna just go from uh, I'm gonna be a smart husband and tell you about the time I shot my shot on my wife. There you go. It was the first time we ever hung out privately together, just the two of us. And I told her, "You're gonna be my wife." Um, I told her that that you know it was a wrap. She didn't stand a chance, and she Let's laughed. Go. And she laughed at me. And she tells the story to this day. She laughed at me. She tells people, "Oh yeah, you know we started off as friends," and I'll be like, "Nope." <laughs> she knew my intention from day one Let's and friends was not it and, uh, <laughs> she was gonna be my wife and uh you know going on uh 12 years in june she's still she's still my wife Let's go. So that's one of those that's one of those steph curry's you know when the nba player that's one of those steph curry's where you just shoot it up and you start running yeah, back start, and turn back on defense Let's go. <laughs> so, so, Sal, where did your uh, love for sports start? Man, my love for sports started started uh, in the womb. You know, I was, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a twin. A lot of people don't re- don't know that, but my twin brother Mark and I, you know, right out the womb, we started, we started getting it. We were always together, always on the same teams, always had a one-two punch, no matter what we were doing. When he was pitching on the mound, I was his catcher. When he was, he was the point guard, I was his small forward. And, uh, you know, we were both DBs on both sides of the field, both running backs, both receivers, and we were always kind of doing it together. Um, you know, we didn't have much growing up, but what we did have was athleticism, and we knew that sports, we realized, we, we didn't know, but we realized 
that there was something special about sports. There's something special about, I always say, sports and food. They bring people together from all different walks of life, all different cultures, and uh, gives you something to appreciate. Absolutely. So you mentioned just your brother and kind of growing up, man. So born in Inglewood or grew up there or, or what, what was it? How was it kind of growing up in that area? Born, raised and bred in Inglewood, California. Um, that's, that's, that's just who we are. You know, it's, it's in us. And um, and what I what I mean by that is, uh, you know, at the time we grew up, we were born in 1985. So, you know, mid to late 80s and, all, you know, all of the 90s growing up in, in, in L.A., you know, there was a certain lifestyle and culture about the way that we grew up that we really, that we embraced. And uh, it taught us how to grind, how to persevere and, um, you know, grew us into the men that we are today. So grinding in the, in, in the sports, three sport athlete in high school, man. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Basketball, so, football, track. So there, there was there was a fourth sport that people really don't know about is volleyball. Oh, OK. Because we were ba- we played baseball our whole life. OK. And okay. Then I, I, I told my mom as I was going to the freshman mom, so I don't want to play baseball anymore. She's like, you're so good at it. I was like, it's just, I'm just not doing it. And she was like, well, listen, you ain't going to be in my house or, or on them streets, so you better find something else to something. do. So in turn, you know, in California, we had a men's volleyball indoor gym. Mm. And I'm like, man, I jump out the gym. I couldn't, I, at the time, I couldn't wear the little polo shirt. So I was like, I'm going to revolutionize the game real quick and change the uniforms and I'm going to go to volleyball. But, um, yeah, man, like I said, we were athletes. I didn't play football until I was a junior in high school. And, oh, wow. You know, I wasn't one of those little league guys who played when he was since he was six years old. You know, my mom's, you know, it's a lot of us. It's eight boys in our family. She was, my brother and I are the oldest, so she was like, uh, she was always afraid that her boys would get hurt. We were all she had. So she was, she was like, ain't no football going on in my house. You do all the other stuff. But I'm not going to let nobody just go hit on my babies. Um, so... We, we really didn't have the football, but we, we could do anything and everything and still could do anything and everything. So. All right. I knew he's going to get to that. I knew he's going to get to the hoop stuff. So I got it. I know you're going to get to the steal and it's NBA playoffs. So I want to hear what your hoop game was like. I know you went to school to hoop, but I, I want to know what your hoop game. Give me the scouting report. I need to know. You know, listen, I could show you better than I could tell you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that much. But what, you know, what I will say is I'm one of two, one of two people on the 2003 all California All-State team, high school All-State team that did not go to the NBA. And the other, the, the only two people not, that didn't go to the NBA were myself and um, Evan Moore, who went to Stanford and then he went, also went to the NFL, played for the Browns. Um, and I'm going to just leave it at that, man. <laughs> Okay, representing the Scorpions, let's go. I'm going to just leave it at that, man. Google me, Miles. Google me. <laughs> let's oh, go. I, oh, I have. Uh, so another thing I wanted to follow up with that, man, is, uh, I mean, you grew around the same kind of era that I grew around, but yeah. social media was a little different than it is now. Um, and the whole recruiting process was different. And I know there was a lot of folks in Southern Cal that was coming. So who are some of the guys that you competed with high school-wise? Man, to be honest with you, I, I go back to basketball. 
you know, when it comes to, when it comes down to that competition standpoint, because we grew up in L.A. at California high school. You know, it was you know, we had the L.A. Unified. We had the uh, the city section and then we had the southern section. Southern section was CIF. City section was the city league. But really, it wasn't about it wasn't just about the high schools because we also had AAU. And that's when we got to merge kind of those teams and everybody was playing against each other. It was a different type of community back then when it came to sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like on the hoop court, like if we could play, we could play one night a Wednesday night in a high school game, but then Saturday morning we on the playground getting at it and running. Yeah, and, and that's how we really knew who was the real deal when it came to the court. Um, but we got guys like DJ Strawberry, um, you know, Evan Moore. Uh, you got buckets who went to Georgetown. Um, it's just so many. It was so many guys in that time. Trevor Ariza was around. Amir Johnson was around. Um, and it was never really about age. It was just about skill level. It right. was about who was who who can compete. And we never really paid attention to who was older, who was younger. It was yeah. just like who who has who has the balls to come out here and step on the court and really get at each other. And that's that's what made it so fun. And even now to this day, when we see each other, it's uh it's always fun and competitive. So you talk about the community, man, and you you definitely represent and just showing the love of where you came from. So Inglewood's a little little different around around these parts, man. A little gentrification, I guess, is what we could call it, man. So most most people should know the the Super Bowl was just there, but they got yeah. this brand new stadium, and uh, you know it's just changed a lot of your parts around it. Like what's What's your message or what you've heard from the community or what you're seeing or how, just your overall thoughts about that? It's different. And I, I named a bunch of athletes. Not be remiss if I didn't mention my big brother. Um, I'm not my big My little brother, uh, Brian Flowers, who who was out there competing at the same time, and Deshaun Jackson. You know what I'm saying? Because Deshaun grew up right down the street from me and still is, you know, family to me, as you know. Um, but to answer your question, Inglewood, Inglewood is different. I think everywhere everywhere is different right now, but specifically when you're talking about Inglewood, you know they put that spaceship in the middle of my city like that. Um, it's it's um man, it's kind of bittersweet for a lot of people in the city. If I if I'm being honest with you, and where they put that stadium, when I was in junior college going to El Camino, mm-hmm. I lived right across the street from where they built. So it's right on Prairie um, and Manchester. So it's right next door to the to the Great Western Forum. Yes. Grew up around and the, and the Inglewood Cemetery, which I grew up in Carlton Square. Not grew up, but I was I lived there in Carlton Square when I was going to junior college. Right there in that right in the backyard of SoFi Stadium. And when you go down there, it's just completely different. Um, they they missed in a lot of areas. Um. So I have this saying that it says, um, you know, don't talk about me unless you're going to talk to me. Mm. And what I'm and what I mean by that is you can't a lot of people will try to talk about the black community without talking to black leaders and the black people Mm. or any community. You can't change any community without talking to that community about what they want. And I think they miss and you can tell. But but if you go down there and you see that there is a quarter square mile that is completely changed, completely new and grown up. But at the same time, 
you go across the street and it stops and it stops and it's a dead stop and there's a big drop off now in my mind what you have to do is tap into that community and say okay i'm gonna go to all these places and say how can we help you grow your business and how can we bring you up to a level and and so you can meet us Mm -hmm. because if you do that that's what makes it sustainable now a lot of these people go out and say how can i create the most revenue and make the most money as fast as i can when really you should be thinking how can i impact these people and make money as long as i can and i think that's where they kind of miss when they kind of when they when they gentrified uh gentrified my city that's why that's why when people from Inglewood say, you know, you know, back in the day, it was real Inglewood. <laughs> right. And I mean, you mentioned another historical because I was going to ask you that. Right. So and you called it the Great Western Forum, which is its name. And L.A.'s going through some identity stuff. Right. First, we lose the Staples Center and now it's called the Kia Forum. And I'm just like, I saw that sponsorship deal. And I get it. Get money. I understand that's part of the game. But sometimes you just got to understand you know, historical context, like back to what you're saying, you know, talk to me, <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't talk about me, talk to me. So, and again, I think, I think you miss, mm-hmm. I think you miss Ikea, whatever it's called. Why not say the Kia great wrestling forum? Yeah. And still <laughs> yeah. allow people to just to call it because people will drop the, you know, new people will say it, but you know, yeah. you still get because your sponsor. No, no like, yeah, you got your name in lights, but no one's going to call it that. Mm-hmm. So why not bring in bring the community in and say, hey, we're gonna call this the Kia Great Western Forum. We know that's what you call it. We know that's yeah. that you that you know it as that. We know that's nostalgic for you. Um, so let's let's create something that you can relate to, but also bring us into the picture. Fair. But again, it, it you know, are, are you playing chess or are you playing checkers? Checkers. <laughs> oh, that, that's one of my favorites right there. Let's go. So college ball, man. Uh, University of Washington. Uh, some some may not know he was a receiver there. I'm, I'm sure people do know, and you obviously eventually went to fullback in the league. But just talk about University of Washington, and, and one of your teammates is one of my favorite players of all time. People don't know this, Isaiah Stanback. What? I love Isaiah Stanback with the Cowboys. Okay. I'm a Cowboys fan. So. He's a Cowboy, and I saw that too. What year did he come out? Was that two? Did he come out the hey, same hey, year? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, EJ. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Get him. Get him. I got to, man. Listen, you will oh. never say that publicly again. <laughs> what is wrong with you, man? Man, I, I, I respect the Cowboys. I put it that way. I respect them. Okay. I, I, I could deal with Cowboy fans, so you know where that you kind can, of is. But, 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 but stand hey, back. Let's but go back and stand back. You can even preface it as I grew up. A fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up a Cowboys fan. There okay. we go. That's, that's that's so that's now you've grown and matured and came to the right <laughs> side. You know what I'm talking about? Come I'll on, man. You. I feel you. Um, <laughs> but but you got the question. He's like, what's the question? <laughs> so to answer your question, though, to answer your question, um, I'll say this. Uh, going to UW in Seattle was one of the best to sit besides marrying my, my wife and having my kids was the best decision I made in my life. Mm. Uh, and a lot of people, especially in the sports world, question that because we didn't win enough games. And I didn't get drafted. And a lot of people blame that on the uh, conference of where you went. Right? Well, not even the conference because I was in the Pac-10. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. I, I led the nation in yards per catch. 
but they blame it on not winning enough games and the coach that I had at the time in Tyron Willingham. Oh, he struggled. That, <laughs> and, I challenge, and, and I challenge that all the time because Tyron Willingham was like, he's, Tyron Willingham was a great man. And he taught a lot of us how to be men, mm. not just football players. Um, but going to UW from Inglewood was a huge change, uh, not just from the climate and weather, but just from the demographic of people that I was around. And UW, like going there, you know, first person in my immediate family to graduate with his degree in college and from a prestigious university. And, you know, the people really embraced me there. They respected me and the way that I worked, the way that I led. And um, they taught me how to deal with adversity in football. You know, coming from a junior college program where, you know, we were the best in the country and nobody could really step to us. And then coming into a place where I'm like, we have so much talent in this locker room, but yet haven't put it together. It prepared mm-hmm. me for a lot of time in the league and just how to persevere and continue to grind while I was working on myself and helping my teammates at the same time. Isaiah was my first was my, was was I, I was you know being one of his number one receivers and and watching the way he grind and uh you know Isaiah you talk about like salt of the earth human beings Isaiah is one of those guys he he was a he was a really good leader uh he was an extremely athletic player and you know one thing he does have with me he has a Super Bowl ring how's that <laughs> doesn't matter because it was with the Giants but <laughs> Nevertheless, <laughs> so what's a memorable moment, man? Just like with, you know, just being in college, that the people you met. Like, I mean, you know, you, you shared that it was one of your best decisions. Yeah. So, talk to us like about a memorable moment. It doesn't have to be on the field; just in, in that experience in general, you know. And, and honestly, there's a lot of memorable moments, but uh, you know, geez. That's tough. That's tough to, to pick out one. I would, I would, I would probably gravitate towards a moment on the field because it's mm-hmm. easier to relate. But uh, right. you know, still, you know, I, I, I still hold the University of Washington and Pac-10 record for longest reception for a touchdown, 90, 98 yards against Arizona, um, and cover one over the top. Come on, man, <laughs> zero. You know, you know, I had to go get it. It was, it was, it was, <laughs> it was cover one, and, and and I blow by and backed up. So, but it was good though, um, because it's still there to this day, and I still get calls about it, and people still remember it. And you know, those those Husky fans are, are loyal, so I still run around and seeing people, uh, you know, with those with those purple W hats on, and it's always a a, a special fraternity to be a part of. Now that's dope. That makes sense. All right, so let's kind of. Oh, you got something? In no, no, go ahead, go ahead, go. Ahead. You so let's, let's let's roll into you know, um, kind of like more in your career. Uh, so, you know, two thousand eight, you come out. Yeah. You know, ultimately, you uh, you sign with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about like that transition, right? Coming out as a receiver and then finding your way to where you become a a football. I mean, a fullback in the NFL. Undrafted, yeah. undrafted, undrafted. Correct. So that's crazy. You know, I did think I was going to get drafted. You know, there were a couple of teams in the third round, a couple of teams in the fourth round. You know, I had a couple of pre-draft trips. And, and you know, funny story is on my pre-draft trip to Oakland, um, I'm there. 
suited and booted, like I'm like on this job interview, if you will. And um, Al Davis basically says, you know, and the only way, only in in the way that he only could is, you're gonna be a Raider. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, you know, okay, I, you know, I hear you. I hear you, you know, right, right. Right. <laughs> um, so, making a long story short, I, I, you know, during the draft, I get a couple calls, and and I think, you know, this gonna be the this gonna be the round, this gonna be the round, and neither one of them came. And then in the at the end of the fifth round, I get a call from Miami. He's just like, hey, you're not gonna get drafted. I'm like, yeah, all right, you know, hang up real quick. So I just wait. And then the sixth round, early in the sixth round, I say, hey, you're not going to get drafted. We're not going to draft a receiver right now if you sign with us. You'll be, our, you'll be our only outside receiver that we sign, and we're going to sign Devon Best as well. Devon and I were the Devon and I knew each other. We were we were uh already previously friends, and I was just like boy, he was cold at Hawaii, boy. I asked him. Yeah, boy, yeah. Devon could go get it. Yeah, so I say fine. So I signed with Miami and I go out there to, to rookie minicamp and I absolutely kill it. I ball. Bill Parcells calls me right before I leave. I won their rookie MVP for the rookie minicamp. And and it was just right after the year that they had went um one in 15 or whatever it was. It was a bad year. And they had just brought in Bill Parcells and uh, Tony Sperano as their new regime. Mm, and, cool. uh, and, and, and yeah, recipes. He was a good dude. And Bill Parcells bringing in his office. He says, "You're on the quarter system." And I say, "Yeah." He says, "I need you here May 15th." And I'm like, "Listen, I don't graduate until June 14th or June 15th." I said, "I don't have to walk, but I promised my mom and grandma I was gonna finish this out, get my degree. I wasn't gonna come back because I would never come back. I'm making money. I'm never gonna come back. So I'm gonna finish this out, and I could be here June 14th or as soon as finals are over. I'll be here." And he says, you know, let me talk to my guys and, and I'll get back to you. And then I get a, I, I get back to Seattle and I get a call the next morning and says, hey, we're going to have to release you. We need everybody here um, for all of offseason workouts, all of mini camps. And, um, you know, this is going to be special to us because we're not we're not going to have a losing team. Mm-hmm. And Parcells like, but I really respect the way you 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 work and. I hope our paths cross another time. I'm like, okay, bet. I appreciate it. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, am I going to, like, did I just lose, miss out on my opportunity? I'm undrafted. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I, I'm like, I may have just missed out on my opportunity. And 24 hours later, 24 hours later, Al calls. I told you it'd be a Raider. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. And and you know they still made me they still made me try out. Right. So I came to I came to the so the that year the Raider rookie mini camp was like the first week of May. It wasn't the the weekend of the draft. So I was like cool. So I was able to do the Raider rookie mini camp. It was my it was, I had to do two rookie mm-hmm. mini camps that year, and I won MVP for that because I came in as a receiver. Mm. And then we had a tight end get hurt the first day. So the second day I played tight end. And then we had a, a running back get hurt. So the third day I played running back and tight end. And I won MVP for that rookie mini camp. And uh, I never forget Greg Knapp, rest in peace also. Mm-hmm. He he came to me at the end of the day when they handed me the, the MVP helmet. 
he says, um, the more you can do, mm. you'll last in this league. And that's the first time I heard that phrase. And I mean, after that, I've heard it year after year after year, time after time after time. But um, it was when it clicked, like, I'm just going to outwork everybody. And that's when I was just like, I told you to be a Raider. <laughs> so, time, was, was, that, was that a plan? Was that a plan always for you to be fullback or that just kind of happened no, that way? So, so the way the fullback thing happened, I came back. So that was in May. I can't come back in July after graduation to uh, – because I missed all off-season workouts because I was still in school. But I came back to training camp. I showed up to training camp, and I'm still a receiver. I was wearing number 81 at the time. Mm. And uh, I was still receiver for the first week of training camp. All receiver. Second week of training camp, I <laughs> I haven't told this story much, but I go into my locker and – if, if a lot of people don't know, but when you go into the locker, like when you're in training camp, you know, it's a revolving door. A lot of people get cut every yeah. single day. It's not just on cut day. Right. So the way, the way you used to get cut back in the day is it was so early that they would basically just take your jersey out of the locker, rehang another jersey because another person was coming in That's probably from another position because somebody gets hurt. Somebody. So, you, you know, usually they tell people before they get to the locker room. <laughs> but I used to get up early, so I go to the locker room. This is this the second week of mini, the second week of training camp. I go to the locker room, and eighty one is out of my locker, and the number forty five is there. This is the second week of training camp. I'm like, dang, I just got cut. I just got cut, and I'm walking out of the locker room, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna pack my stuff. I'm embarrassed. I'm sick. I'm like, man, I'm going to get out of here, man. Let me run up out of here real quick because I didn't know the process. So I'm walking out of the locker room and Bob Romanski, I don't even think he knows it. Bob doesn't know this. He's still here today, but Bob doesn't know this. It was the best equipment manager known to man. Uh, he says, do you like your new digs? And I was like, my new digs? And he was just like, uh, your new number. You haven't seen it yet? And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I turned it off real quick. Um, and Al had changed my number to 45. And I come out there and, uh, you know, Lane Kiff is like, oh, you look like a real full. Oh, no, it was Tom Cable. He says, you look like a real fullback now. And I was like, okay, so I'm moving. Like, and Al just said he had a vision. Mm. He had a vision of what I would be. And I'm just like, man, I, I'm sitting there like pops, like, you know, I fullback. I hadn't even put my hand in the dirt before because I was a receiver my entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, but he had a vision. He just said, You're gonna be the best in the world. Trust me. Mm. <laughs> Let's go. So the and and the only the, the biggest disappointment for me, besides not bringing a Super Bowl to the Raider organization as a player, I still have a chance as an executive, but not as a player, was he never got to see me recognized as the best in the world. Mm. Wow, you know, wow. Um, I mean, the four-time Pro Bowler, all pro. I mean. Right, but he he passed mm. before my first Pro Bowl. Oh. So the year I made my first Pro Bowl was the year he passed in week four. Wow. So he never, like, 
Yeah, I was. Damn, I, I just got chill. Yeah. They, said I, they said I was the best in the world. Yeah. But he wasn't He's, alive to witness mm-hmm. me recognized by the rest of the world as the best. From his vision. Wow. From his vision. Yo. So, so that for me was like, like, damn, I missed it. I missed that, you know. But Mark got to witness it a few times. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, you know so real quick, like what you know, uh, a guy that's kind of a utility guy now is in the news with Debo and he, you know, trade or whatever the case may be. But <laughs> do you kind of envy, like, yo, man, I'm I'm the originator of this kind of utility guy office? Do you, do you still forgot. some kind of yeah, like this, <laughs> you this know, is, I've been it, doing this. It's funny that 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 you mentioned that because there's times. You know, if you're watching the broadcast, be like, oh, there's no, but there's been nobody like that. Yeah. What? Excuse me? (laughs) But I'll say this I I, I don't necessarily envy it. Um, It still still makes me proud because some of those guys, a lot of those guys, I'll see them out. I'll see them in different places, their events, and they thank me for how I got down. and even to the point where some guys will be will actually be humble enough to admit, like, hey, I had a coach show me your film. Like that choice route you used to run, I watched your film, how you did it. So um, no, nah, I'm proud of it, man, because a lot of times it's not about me, you know. Like they say, Oh, you were the first. Well, the point is not to be the last. So it's, it's about progressing the game, like getting to the top, then reaching your hand down and bringing somebody else up. That's what it's really about. So that that's, that's it's something that I'm definitely proud of because I was genuine to myself when I played okay. ball. You know, um, I didn't get – I always said I didn't want to be pigeonholed by the two initials as a position that was next to my name. I wanted to be a playmaker. And I'm still able to do that now as an executive. People say, you know, what's your job description? My job description is the same job description I had when I played. Do whatever I can that's in my power to help the Raider organization be a champion on and off the field, period. Don't well, let's get into it. Don't let's get into it. So that's a – so, I mean, it's an amazing, unique role, right? You know, especially for someone with your hue, right? So we love to see that and, and that – that's just volumes, and that's one of the reasons we have this podcast. <laughs> yes, you, you like that, right? Going back to Jay Z four four four, same hue as you, right? Uh, bars. Um, <laughs> how did that come about, man? Talk talk to us, like you know, and and the, your position just by the title, you can tell that like, that was something that was created. So back, you know, talking about vision, is this another vision that's kind of come to to prophecy? Yeah, but this, you know, this went from Al's vision to Mark's vision. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's what's really special about it. Um, you know, Mark and I, we laugh about it. It was the longest interview ever. And it, <laughs> okay. it, it lasted for years and years. Um, you know, we got to a point where, you know, I had, you know, left ball and then I went into TV. And, um, you know, although people say, oh, you're, you're great at this or you're great at, you know, the whole TV thing, it wasn't necessarily fulfilling for me. Mm-hmm. Um and he felt like he, you know, he got to a point where he said, I want you home. And basically what I told him was, you know, he didn't need me. I didn't necessarily need to come back for a job. 
but we both wanted it. And I told him, I said, listen, if we if we are aligned in the vision for this and what the goal is and being intentional about what we're doing and making it worth something instead of just a figurehead, if you will, mm-hmm. then let's do it. And he's and he was on the same page. He was like, this is important. Um, and, and, you know, Mark's very intentional about what he does. Which, which is something that I've always respected about him and appreciated and learned from at the same time. And, um, and we made it happen and I'm here. And, and be, go ahead. My bad. And, and, you know, the role is, is forever evolving, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Utility. Man. Yeah, yeah, do everything, make plays. That boy, make plays. That's what you do. Hey man, you—I I think I've told you this before, man. But I—I'll be ready for the book when it comes out. But because you have the blueprint, we always talk about on this show for you know players and what that transition is like into the next life, into your next career, man. But you seem to do that flawlessly. Where did you learn that from? Uh, how did you get into the knowledge of like this is what I want to do? Was it during your playing? How, how did that whole process work? Honestly, it's about where I grew up from. It goes back to Inglewood. You know what I'm saying? We grew up in, in a lot of people say, you know, a chameleon, you know, reversal. We're able to, you know, walk into any building, any boardroom and uh, demand respect, give respect and be effective and add value at the same time. You know, back in the day, it was us being able to walk into any hood, no matter what color you had on and be respected because we were always loyal to our color. But we were able to be respected in any any neighborhood we went to because of the way we carried ourselves and um, also being able to uh, protect and defend ourselves at the same time. You know? <laughs> and, and it's really, it, it, you know, it, it's funny, but at the same time, it's the same concept because, you know, we can demand respect, give respect and add value to any boardroom, any company that we walk into. And that's really what it's all about. Being genuine. Wow. So with your type of role, right? And then just kind of like that long interview process. And you said, as long as we can both meet, was there something that you said that like, I, I need to see this or, or something that's in your key value structure that you wanted to see a part of this role that maybe you added that wasn't even initially a part of that? No, because we've always had the same values. We've always had the same morals. I already knew what Mark stood for. Like we were already family before. So that that stuff didn't even need to be discussed. Like it's his values, his morals and what he stands for is why we're so close anyway. So I didn't I didn't even. What's understood don't need to be explained when it comes to that stuff. Absolutely. And then preparing for this role, um, because like Miles said, we're definitely waiting for the book. We'll have you back when you when you do the book, because the transition is really hard for a lot of players. I mean, on all levels, not just the professional level. So do you think, you know, you were um, NFLPA representative while you were with the Raiders during your time? And did you find any skills that just kind of, you know, did that add some to your tool belt to prepare you for future future roles? Being in that role helped me with my patience. (laughs) <laughs> right i can see that a thousand percent um but from what you said a lot of you know to your point a lot of players do have issues transitioning and that's one of the aspects of this role is being able to help players transition um you know we are starting an initiative uh, we are starting 
an academy, a leadership academy right next door here on Raiders Way, the Al Davis, Eddie Robinson Leadership Academy. And one of those processes and and um, areas that, that we are going to be able to tap into and focus on is helping current players and recently retired, play, retired players learn about themselves, what they want to do, how they want to transition, and really tap into those leadership aspects and help them be decision makers when they leave this game. And, and be able to impact and change the world how, how however they want to do it, but like giving it, giving them the tools to be able to do it. That's fantastic. That's good stuff. You said learning about yourself, man, and being a, a team captain yeah. five times, man. It's it's more about others than it is about you. What did you learn about yourself within that team captain role? That I could focus more on others, and 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 um and better myself at the same time. A lot of people, especially especially in the position that I was in, like, like, listen, I was undrafted. You know, this is it's you know, a lot of people see it as the Hunger Games. You know, especially as a fullback, like, listen, there weren't a lot of coaches didn't like me, or like my game, or like the way I went about things. Sometimes, so you don't always have that person in your corner that's a coach. Right. But at the same time, so I say that to say, before I was actually granted or earned the starting fullback job. There had been 12 other fullbacks that they try to put in that spot before me. Mm. They were taking them off other people's practice squads. They were bringing them off the street, off the couch. And I'm sitting there right in front of their noses. And they bringing all people. I mean, it was like a revolving door. And I'm sitting there like, man, I can't even get a shot. But at the same time, that helped me so much because even when I was the starter, when another fullback came in there, I didn't take it personal. I tried to help that person. So being a captain, that was my responsibility. Mm-hmm. And like I said, a lot of people see it as the Hunger Games, but really we could tap in and help each other at the same time and make each other better because iron sharpens iron. And you have to just have to be confident in your own preparation, confident in your own skills and, and the will of God, really, when it comes down to it, because you don't have any control over a lot of things. So, you know, that's just really what it taught me about myself. Like we can we can really tap into others and help others while, you know, benefiting ourselves as well. Love it. MH, you ready to hit them with the quick hits? Yeah, I got just four quick questions real for you. Quick. So. I think my, let me go, let me go grab a charger real quick. Y'all, yeah. Do your thing, this bro. ain't live, is it? <laughs> we recorded it. It's not, but we, but we are there. Go ahead and get your, thing. get your charger, man. We don't want you to, to, to fall out and uh, we'll, we'll let MH uh, prepare the quick hits. Definitely the first. Um, but no, I, I think it's really um, a testament of growth and like just what he's doing. And I definitely want to hear about like how the that leadership academy and we're going to get into like the winner circle, too. And when we get in, into that, I know that's going to be just like a large part of, you know, what he's building or what the the the, the team's vision of building. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's dope about his NFL PA stuff, too, man, and and, and how that in a way. It's, it's probably prepared, prepared him for where he's at right now. Um, oh, yeah, because you could just imagine the, the list of complaints bro. on from wanting certain music played, like from the Steelers, <laughs> wanting certain music played during practice, right? Yeah. Into, I can only imagine, like, the snacks in the cafeteria, some shit like that. Yeah, yeah. 
But no, and but in the other testament, I think the biggest the biggest thing that I'm glad he shared that with us is just like the two visions, man. To hear mm-hmm. one that you know we all want to reach a certain level to where where we want to uh, achieve, but to have someone you know believe in you in that level and just say no, you're going to be a raider, and then have the vision of what position that they want to put you in, like that's, that's a crazy. whole whole another level, man. So excited. Yeah, to, All right, to, to that point, man, Al, Al believed in me at times more than I believed in myself. That shit's amazing, man. That's great. To have it wasn't that, just, it wasn't just, uh, you know, peaches and cream throughout that process from drafted <laughs> free agent, changed the fullback, and you know, it was it was definitely a learning process because it was something I did I had never done. I had to learn football from a completely different perspective, and it helped me learn the game and be a student of the game which is how, I, you know, changing the fullback helped me get my doctorate in football. There you go. <laughs> there you, go. you know, because you have, to, you have to look at it from a different lens. You know, I, I you know, growing up and in, in going to school and playing receiver, I was just like, okay, read this coverage. I could read the coverage. You know, furthest down I got was, is this linebacker going to come buzz into my curl flat or not? You know, so when I change the fullback and it's like, wait, I got to know what a 55 front is. I got to know what an even front is. I got to actually read these holes and understand what, you know, the hat placement and alignment looks like. And then not only that, but then understand what a linebacker is and the safety. Mm -hmm. Okay. I really got to lock in. And there was a lot of, and I'll say this, there was a lot of coaches, you know, Kelly Skipper, my running back coach. uh, He helped me a ton. Tom Cable. Man, when Tom Cable was the head coach, he used to meet me every Friday when I started, when I really started playing. He used to meet with me every Friday before we played to teach me really how to look at film in a snapshot and understand how particular players were going to play me. Because I had to use, I mean, as a transition, being a 6'3 fullback and playing against a 5'10 linebacker, low man always wins. Yes, sir. So he taught me how to watch a player on a Friday, all their all their best plays, and understand how I could use, you know, my attributes against him in order to win every single play. So 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 yeah, so so you know, I was able to learn football from a different level. And like I said, or my doctorate in football. <laughs> there it is. All right, so a couple a couple quick hits. First thing that come to mind with this number three or number forty five. <laughs> three, man, <laughs> he was that guy. You know, <laughs> when I put that, what, the, the, listen, he was the guy. <laughs> he was the guy. You know, when I was in college and and I wore that number three, I wanted number two because that was that was like that was my number in high school. That was my number in junior college. Uh, but it was retired at the University of Washington at the time, and Coach Willingham was a stickler for not taking out of retirement for me. So I put the three on, and, and uh, it was just it was, it was different. 45, <laughs> 45, man. I honestly I didn't like the number when I first got it. It's um, tradition now, though. Yeah, it's forty five. Oh, yeah. Is it true? Like, that's yeah, tradition. that's locked in. It's it's different. That's like it's it's my heart, man. My 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 son loves it now. Um, you know, I love it. It's something that, that, uh, I definitely can identify with and feel, you know, personally 
from a, from a selfish standpoint, feel like, um, you know, I remember Kelly Scarrow, I was like, man, 45. And he was like, you know, my, it was, it was my pops, man. My dad, he, I was like, man, 45. I don't know what I'm going to do with this. How am going to make this number look right? Yeah, MJ. <laughs> like, uh, he said, boy, you go make that number famous. Let's you, go. Make, you make it look good. And go. I was like, that's a bet. I'm going to do that. So even now, man, like, you know, when I see, when I run into kids, I'm like, man, I wear 45 because of you. And I'm just like, man, that's what's up. The wood are uh, loving basketball. Ooh, I gotta go. I thought I, I I'm gonna go with the wood. <laughs> Sorry, you, Tania. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, that's a correct answer. Correct answer. Uh, you a basketball guy, MJ Jordan or MJ or LeBron? I thought MJ Jordan. Yeah, um, you, you can see where he's leaning. <laughs> I got. I got. I'm going. With, I gotta go with MJ, man. All right. Shout out to uh, your favorite teammate in the past. Ooh, that's too hard. Um, Top three. Yeah. You know, I'm going to shout out. The, listen, some of my, we spent more time together okay. than we did with our actual families. And that's what, you know, when you retire, that's what you really miss. The locker room. Um, but some of my best friends in the world, guys I came in with, Darren McFadden. Yes, sir. Tyvon Branch. Uh, Khalif Barnes, Taiwan Jones, Jacoby Ford. We got a group chat where we talk every single day of our lives. Like our kids, our nieces and nephews. That's dope. Um, Russell Wilson is still a great friend of mine. Uh, Bobby Wagner, still a great friend of mine who I play with. There, there's there's uh, there's some people out there that, I, I mean, there's some guys out there that I'm extremely, extremely close with. There's a lot of great friends out there. Love it. All right, would you rather uh, catch a touchdown, 99 yards, or uh, ISO, 99 yards? You had some big runs. Jets? That Jets um, run? I just want to get in there. No <laughs> <laughs> matter. No matter. Don't matter. Just get, a, get in there. I just want to get in there. Like Whether you're hurtling or you bullying people, you just want to get in there. <laughs> that's all it. That's it. I just want to get in there by any means necessary. Let's just go get in there. Let's get into the paint. Let's uh, celebrate with the with our fans. Jump in the jump in the black hole, and then uh, celebrate with my teammates. Let's just get in there. That's love it. Your world, EJ. So, um, getting into the winner's circle, man. This is where we 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 like to give a platform. You know, that's one of the things that we've loved about building this the show, and it's just a platform. And I think it's really in cadence of everything you've done. And just want to talk a little bit about your foundation, man. I don't know if people know. Uh, that you have a foundation out there and just kind of tell us a little bit about the foundation. Well, honestly, the Marcel Reese foundation in particular, that one is really just to, like, I, you know, when you start a, when you start a nonprofit, you're supposed to, to, to dial down really what your purpose is and, and your mission state. Well, my mission state was really just to help kids to get into the cities that, that the, the city that I grew up in and cities like it similar so mm-hmm. I was I was in Inglewood and I was in I was in Oakland and I was just starting to go to cities that really just help kids. Um, at one point, it was fighting childhood obesity, uh, and then 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 a couple years later, it switched up because a lot of the public school athletic programs were starting to get done away with because they didn't have funds. So okay, let's switch up and let's let's try and keep do whatever we have to do to keep these athletic programs uh, in these in these schools in the public school system because. I know how much it helped me and I don't know where I would be without my athletics athletic program at my 
public school. But I think really <clears throat> the foundation I want to talk about is the Al Davis Eddie Robinson Leadership Academy that's that we have that we're currently building and coming forward. Um, it's really a brainchild of Mark Davis. And we we first he first came up with the idea because the the, the National Football League started an initiative where teams had to give money. It was okay. five million dollars over the course of 10 years um, to social justice initiatives. Well, Mark Davis said, you know, you're saying five or I'm going to match that. and I'm going to go 10 for every club. So he was going to donate 10 million dollars to social justice initiatives. And we're sitting there thinking, why not be intentional about this instead of just giving it to some, you know, random organization or foundation where you don't know where that those funds go to and who they're helping. Let's create something that can be experienced. Um, and the initial uh, idea was to help black men and women uh, people of color, minorities become head coaches in the National Football League. Well, then, you know, long story short, we end up buying the aces and we're like, OK, well, let's not just help the NFL. Let's help all sports. And then we see how this thing starts to grow and this idea starts to grow and see how we can affect people and said, OK, we want to go from NFL to other sports to society as a whole. Let's change the world. And we want to do that by actually creating a brick and mortar, a building you know, we have you know, 35,000 square feet where we're putting this amazing auditorium. We're, we're creating curriculums and cohorts where we can not only teach uh, black men and women uh, how to be head coach in the National Football League, but now we're teaching them leadership skills. Right. right? Because it's not it's so much bigger than just sports. It's so much bigger than than the NFL and football. This is about actually changing the world, creating some substance and being sustainable uh in in our in our effort to make change and uh that's what that's what's so important right now uh we need leaders we need people to recognize that leaders the the, the look of a leader is changing uh, you know there are leaders out there that look like us um and when i go into these you know these inner city schools that are underrepresented and underprivileged like i can tell them that there's a leader that looks just like you, that comes from the place you come from, that speaks the same language that you speak, that listens to the same music that you listen to. And that's why guys like Miles, men like Miles and men's like men like you, EJ, are living examples and proof that these kids in these cities can be leaders. The kids that look like you can be leaders. And we want to help teach them those leadership attributes that, you know, they may be missing or they or they may not have been taught before. And that's what the academy is all about. We have a phenomenal board. Our leading board member is a man that's on the back of your your banner there, right in the middle, holding his fist up. In Tommy Smith, that's cool. lives right here in Las Vegas. We brought him out here to Las Vegas. Mark Davis single-handedly brought him out here in Las Vegas. He's on our board, um, and he will be there. So now, you know, as you who are educated black men who know about Tommy Smith and him raising his fist on the Olympic podium after winning a gold medal. You know about them, but a kid in second or third or fifth, or maybe even a high school doesn't necessarily know about him. They'd see him as a poster or a legend or a Wheaties box. Well, we're going to bring him in front of those kids. So Tommy Smith, they can hear his voice. 
see his story, hear his story, get advice from Tommy Smith. And that's what that's what it's all about. So it's Tommy Smith. We got Reggie Jackson, Hall of Fame baseball player from the Yankees. Tom Flores, Mark Davis, Eddie Robinson, the third, who is the namesake of Eddie Robinson. Um, you know, our shell is involved with us. Uh, Stedman Graham, who is a phenomenal educator, most known as Oprah's man, but he is a phenomenal, he's a phenomenal educator and a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man. And um, we are so looking forward to, to just really being able to create change from a genuine level at the highest level. And, uh, is, I, I really genuinely feel that's going to change this community. That's, that's amazing, man. Like yeah. just that, <laughs> that alone. Yeah. We need to do a whole um, episode and we need to follow up. So any way that we can be um, a vehicle to kind of get that information out, um, you know, post it on our social and, and just share all of that. You know, we definitely want to be a part of that. Cause that's yeah, that, I amazing. Think that's here. I think there's definitely going to be a time for that. Um, you know, I, you know, miles drives by it every day. The building is not built yet. You know, we ran into COVID, so he's got these supply chain issues and the building starts getting pushed back. The building is actually going to be connected to the Las Vegas aces, uh, who's, where their practice facility is going to be. And they're going to be involved in it because we like, when it comes to, to being diverse and being equitable and having inclusion, you know, we definitely want to tap and to the the females and really help them have a platform to show their skills as well because there are some phenomenal female leaders that need to be showcased and then there's some female leaders that are up and coming that just need that push so they can be phenomenal leaders of the world as well all right man so we've come to wrapping it up man uh we're coming to the assist man this is where you either give us a word you live by something you would tell your younger self or just a quote so give us that coaching gym man man mm, that's good um there's a couple but i'll tell you this uh i always say you're either doing things on purpose or you're doing things with purpose and um you know i don't just do anything just to, just to do it i like to do it with purpose everything that I do. Um, I don't talk, I don't like to talk much just to hear myself speak. But when I open my mouth, I want it to be, I want it to hold weight and I want it to be valuable to whomever's hearing it or listening to it. Let's go, man. Well, let's get out of here. MH, man, final words. Hey, man, you've been very valuable to us and our listeners, man. And that's love, man. I appreciate your time, bro. Um, it's all love, man. Awesome. Anytime, man, I appreciate y'all having me on anytime. I'm always here. Let's go. Well, hey, we want to thank our guest, man, Reese, man. Appreciate you from it just immensely, man. Uh, we want to thank you, the people, for listening. So please, please, I hope you enjoyed the show. We drop a new show every Thursday. So um, understand, please subscribe to the YouTube channel because visual representation matters, all right? If you see it, you can be it. So subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please stay safe, practice gratitude, and know we're rooting for you. Screaming, all us blacks got us forcing entertainment until we even... Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. 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 Look. Assuming yeah. I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Spat bouts and racks on handmade new rags. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. That's everybody from sports to college class to rap and back.